Hello and you're very welcome to the Women's Rugby Pod, episode 166, your weekly pod show throughout the entire season. I'm Johnny Hammond. And I'm Sadi Kabea. And we're going to look back at the English PWR games from last weekend, look ahead to next weekend with all the international news. And there's lots of news. Sevens news, that's back up and running, the uh, the shiny new revamped yet again. Seven series, there's uh, Irish results, French results as well. Sadia, how are you? Are you I've been mean, touching distance now of getting a, a taste of the PWR. Yes, yes. No, I'm really good. Really good being back in training fully this week. Ticked off my um, last bits of rehab and testing that I need to hit. Um, so, yes, I'm really good rugby-wise. Bit of bit of uni. Coming to the end of semester one anyway, so I've hardly got anything to do. Um, but, yeah, I've been really, really good and should be back very, very soon. So uh, the, the clipboarders uh, have ticked all the boxes they need to tick, have they? Yeah. What about in your head? Yeah, feeling good, feeling strong actually. Um, right. And I, I think once that's now that's all ticked off, I'm even more relaxed because when I'm training, I don't think about it. Whereas when I'm doing testing and I'm doing my rehab, all you're thinking about is how your hammy's feeling. So awesome! I'm very very pleased. Um, and when do you break up? Do you have a, a lengthy time away after uh, over Christmas? No, lengthy is not. It's not what I used to describe it. But we finish on the twenty first. Uni, I meant not not particularly lightning. Um, no, not lengthy either. Oh, uh, actually, that's a lie. My next, my first, um, my last lecture is this week, Friday, and then I'm back on the eighth of January. So. So a month Requires. isn't, isn't yeah. lengthy to you. No, no, I thought you were talking about from rugby. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, a month, so a lovely, a lovely break. Nice. As you get uh, probably into the rugby, what, what are the uh, fixtures uh, over Christmas for Lightning? Over Christmas or after well, you Christmas? You've got the 23rd, game on the 23rd, is that right? Uh, yeah, I've got game on the 23rd against Exeter... And then it does take a little gap, doesn't it? There's the big game at uh, on the thirtieth, but then you guys are back up running seventh somewhere. Like yeah, the seventh we're back up running. We did have three games over the weekend from the PWR. Sadly, say I had to call their game off with extra due to freezing conditions. Always the same, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Always the same. We've already we've travelled. Yeah, these things are not done lightly. Um, everybody's safety has been taken into account. So I would have been desperate to play the game. They're, they're off the back of a great win, boy, and all the rest of it. Um, we get the disruption and people travelling and what have you. But um, yes, shame on that one. Um, Friday night under the lights, bitterly, bitterly cold, which yeah, I think contributed to to the game uh, between Bristol and Gloucester Hartbury. Emma Singh and Sarah Beckett would try to come away with a 12-0 win. It's impressive stuff from Gloucester, isn't it? It is. <laughs> it is. They've just been, I think, they've just kept up that same standard that they've had, that they finished on last uh, last season, and they've come into this season, you know, raring to go. And I think 
it's quite easy, you know, when you won, won the Prem, you won the league, people know how good you are, you know how good you are to kind of take a back step. But yeah, they're really putting out a class, um, class performances in these last couple of weeks. Because they always say, and you, know, you would experience this with, with the Red Roses when you sort of had a bit, bit, a bit of time off and then you, you're back into camp and, and you're winning left, right and centre like, like Gloucester Hartbury have been. You need to keep evolving, though, don't you? You need to keep keep ahead of the pack rather than saying, oh, well, we reach the top and we'll just keep doing the same stuff. Have you noticed anything on the, on the field? I know it's only a couple of games or, or heard any whispers from friends and all the rest of it of, of things being done just slightly differently? Um, no, I haven't, actually. Um, I haven't. I'm sure once he comes round to us playing Gloucester Hartbury and we do our analysis, maybe I'll pick up a few things then. But, I mean, for me, I just think Gloucester they're a side who always seem, seem like they're really on the same page. So whether they have made changes, whether they haven't made changes, um, everyone is all, you know, in that same mindset. Everyone knows what they're doing. Everyone knows their role. Um, and I think that's what um, what works for them and what, what, what keeps them on top of the table, I think. Yeah, from a slightly wider sort of perspective, is for me, just they had some really, really good players, you know, Mo, Gloucester, Hartbury, and Gloucester Hartbury through and through, um, and you know, and other players that, that have been there uh, a long time, actually learned all the rest of it. Um, and it wasn't being backed by the club. And um, James Forrester Jagos come in um, and built some massive, massive bridges between the two, Queen's Home, etc., etc. Joint press releases, all, all these kind of things, they make a difference to you players, doesn't it? Whether consciously or subconsciously. You know your your club and all this it's backing you, um, or, or the top people, that does make a difference, doesn't it? Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. From a, from a player's point of view, if if you're like you said, are being backed by your your staff, your club, the wider club, their men's team, you know, with like Queen's Home, their stadium getting behind them, and you know the fans um, across both the men's and the women's game for Gloucester Hartbury particularly are are um, really coming together. So to have that behind you as well as you know a great playing setup um it can only yeah bring you more confidence and i think it's coming out in the way that they're playing yeah i mean look it, it does certainly helps when you're when you're winning but but it's these intangibles isn't it at, at the very top of the game that that do, that do make a difference and i think everybody just short limb seems happier in itself and and if you're going to run as they they call and fully admit um a, a circus um, you've got to be confident in doing that. And um, yeah, they, they don't look like stopping. Uh, big game weekend after next, we're Exeter um, at the moment. So the top of the table, that's going to be uh, one hell of a game that is live on TNT. Um, the only other thing I'm going to ask you about, about Gloucester, um, Sarah Beckett seems in, in fine, fine form. A couple, couple of tries to open up the season, running those lines. They're playing a little bit in the second row. Um, I already spoke about England's back five already, but I mean, she's in that um, selection conversation, isn't she? Yeah, definitely. Man. I think Becca has been working away um, during pre-season, went really well in WXB. And I think coming off the back of a tough season last um, couple seasons ago, obviously with World Cup, and then coming back into England and selection maybe not going her way. She's really been working um, behind the scenes. And, you know, she is a player who has everything she needs under her under her belt. She's got great handling. She's a great ball carrier. She's great in defence. 
um, and she's got a really good engine on her. So I think for Becca, I think it's just about putting good performances out in the prems when she does come into England camp and into that white shirt that she does the same thing there. But yeah, she's been really going well. And as you said, England, they have an absolute selection headaches for that back five in that second row. So, you know, with people like Beckett performing extremely well, it's going to make it even more difficult. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I, I thought, and I, yeah, I, I'm a big fan, um, but Rosie Galligan, again, at the weekend, I mean, standing out at sort of 12, 13, distribution, hands, exceptional for a second row. It, it's not a not a new thing, is it? Um sort of recognised sort of back rowers going into going into the second row. Probably Cleo's done it. Look at Harriet Miller-Mills, Georgia Evans at Saracens uh, as well. Um, you know, Zoe Allcross sort of interchangeable between those. Is it is it uh, good to have that versatility? Yeah, no, it's, it's so good to have that versatility, especially obviously with injury. Like, you never know what can happen. So having that... Um, that strength in numbers and that strength in depth is is huge for for us, especially in camp. And to also know when there are when there is changes in the squad, there's no weak links. You're always confident in who's going to be playing and who's going to be in that second row in that back row. So yeah, it's definitely um, definitely really good. Well, we we spoke about um, Rosie Gallagher for for Saras and of course playing against her her old club um, at the Stoop. Uh, it finished thirty one nil. Two Saracens, um, three yellow cards and a red card for Emily Robinson. Difficult um, with these things still up in the air in terms of uh, sanctions and that kind of stuff. Um, so we won't sort of go to touch on it. But um, yeah, a clear clear moving of the head uh, in a purposeful direction. Um, and I mean, the, the final was sort of gone, but um, the referee called, called it back to, to award the referee uh, toward uh, Emily Robinson the red card. How big a hole are Harlequins in? Yeah, I mean, it seems like the same the same tune we've been singing about Quins since the start um, of the PWR only a couple of weeks ago now, but it doesn't seem like they've hit their um, going up stage. Yeah, I'm not really sure what, what rut Quins are getting in at the moment, um, but it doesn't seem like there is a way where they're going to be getting out of it any time. Sooner and less, because, you know, they, they have their big names in the club. They're not missing those people. Um, they've been training throughout the, throughout the pre-season. They've gone well um, in the in the Cup. Um, and it just seems like now uh, everyone's back and they have their full squad. Things are just not clicking out there. And fair play to them. The first half, um, I think they put out a good defensive effort, although they did. Obviously, we're not able to put any points on 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 the salaries from that first half. The defense was a lot better than we have seen, but obviously, to come away from a a game thirty one nil is no, you know, it's nothing to be putting your putting your thumbs up at. So, um, yeah, I don't really know for Quinns at the moment. I mean, I, I know some of the the yellow cards overlap, but you, you're talking about half an hour with fourteen players. You you can't. You, you can't do that at this level, and, and especially against against Saracens. Is there a direct correlation, um, sort of oversimplified question, between happiness, contentment, you know, a shared goal, understanding within the camp, and, and discipline out on the field? Yeah, definitely. Um, potentially. I mean, obviously, with we've seen it with the camp across the league. Um, the teams are very different from what, what they are when when the prem when the uh, prem officially starts so maybe with 
you know, a lot of internationals coming back, integrating with a lot of the young girls who are coming in from from the um, Quinn Centre of Excellence. Maybe there hasn't been that gel, that team cohesion um, that is needed in the Quinn's camp. And I think I think a lot of players can say when you're not um, gelled off the pitch or during training, that is quite hard to put out good um, good performances on the weekend. So yeah, maybe that's definitely something that is um, going on behind the scenes. Yeah, look, they are missing some some players. Um, Connie Powell not out at the moment. Karis Phillips went down at the weekend. Did see, I think, uh, not as bad as originally feared, but um, yeah, we wish her all the very best. The Emily Robinson situation we've, we've spoken about, Jake Conkle's out. But it just, there's quality there. Caitlin Leaney, Sarah Bonner, um, Ellie Kildun, Lani Tuima, um, Lucy Packer out as well. Um, Emily Scott, Bella McKenzie. There, there's some, yeah, front rows good as well. Um, I just, yeah, there just seems to be something not not quite clicking at the moment. Um, although, yeah, you wouldn't have known at the end. It was um, quite quite jolly considering what had just gone on. But um, there you are. Um, who am I? Sunday. Lightning chalked up the first PWR win. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. Did that warm your cockles? How cold did you get? <laughs> it was freezing. It was freezing on the on the sidelines, and I'm sure the players were even more more cold. But yeah, definitely getting a, a win, you know, brought brought a lot of smiles to the girls' faces. Obviously, I think that first half was really strong for us. Second half, not what we wanted to put out there, but obviously to come away with a win. Um, first one of the season, um, you know, we can't expect to be perfect straight away, but uh, yeah, definitely, definitely a positive. Obviously, getting that, getting that first five points. Yeah, twenty four twelve. It uh, it finished, and some some nice tries uh, in there. How, how tough were were Leicester Tigers, Tigeresses? Yeah, I mean, in, in Tigeresses, that... isn't it? If we, are we going to, it's got to be Tigeresses. Anyway, Maybe, carry on. I mean, don't know, don't know how I feel about it's that. It's the brand. It's the brand. <laughs> um, yeah, and then they they were they definitely put out a performance. I mean, in that second half, I think, I think what is Leicester's um, probably strength at the moment is a lot of teams let them back in in that second half because they underestimate uh, what they can do. And I think Leicester are a team who thrive off of energy. So in that second half, they came out, um, you know, guns blaring, um, a full a full new front front row. Um, and you know everyone just really up up for that second half, um, and they kept us uh, pinned pinned down in in our twenty two for quite a while. Um, it just happens that well, not just happens through that our um, defense was managed to pull through, but so still they managed to put twelve points on us. Um, so yeah, I think Leicester they're a team that I was slowly building. Obviously, with people like Meg Jones in there, they have the the key names. Uh, Tess Fury also was really good on on that wing as well, but. Um, yeah, I think they're just slowly, slowly building. Obviously, it's their first first season in the Prem, but I don't think they're a team to, you know, uh, lay off lightly. Where, where was Tess Fury before? DM, DMP? Yeah, quite possibly. Sale? I think, one of those. That's Sale, I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, I was just going to say, who else apart from Meg Jones is, uh, is standing up? Because it is, it is a new level for, for Leicester Tigers women. Give them their proper name. <laughs> You're watching Loughborough Lightning so intently. Who I was. Impressed I was <laughs> who I impressed was in the Loughborough. pink and purple then? Um, definitely Bo Weskin Evans. I think she's been impressing since 
since the end of last season, I think she's really coming to into her own. Uh, Maya Muller stepped up in the hooker spot this week as well. Um, did really good there, getting on the try, getting on the scoreboard as well. Um, she happy Megan about Davey. that move? Because she's uh, a Swedish international at number eight, isn't she? Um, she is, yeah. She's brilliant and helped me with some research in the past on the, on the Swedish team. Um, great character. She she bagged a couple um, and mm-hmm. you, you started very quickly. Um, so three mm-hmm. tries in 21 minutes. Um, is she happy about moving from, from eight to the best position in the world? <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know happy is the word, but the thing with my mother, she is, <laughs> she, she is, um, she is a really... She works really hard and everything she does. So if you give her a new position, she is going to nail that position down. She's going to be doing extras, you know, after every training session. Um, and she's going to go out and put performance in whatever shirt she's got on. So I don't know how happy she is about being there. I mean, back row is the best person on the pitch. So I think anyone would be upset if they got moved from back row to anywhere else <laughs> in that in that forward pack. So, yeah. Um, Rachel Malcolm, um, good as ever. Yeah, good to see her playing well enough for lightning colours yeah Wuscombe Evans with a couple of tries all of that means um, that the newbies Leicester and Ealing Trailfinders still on just one point uh, Sale and Lightning on five but they've only played two games Quinn hanging on in the top four but only one point between them and Sale in seventh um, yeah it's going to be tight that, that middle part of the table is going to be very tight very tight indeed. Yeah, I can see a top three and then a massive, massive battle for for fourth. So excellent cross the heartbreak. Uh, only two games in on 10 and nine points respectively. Sarah's top with a perfect three from three and the full 15 points. Let's catch up with some more domestic news. I'm Jess Breach and you're listening to the Women's Rugby Pod. Um, heading into round four of the PWR, Saracens have the week off. Two o'clock on Saturday, Gloucester Hartbury are back up home versus Sale. Bristol up to Loughborough Lightning. And down in London, both three o'clock kickoffs, Exeter are versus Quinns at the Stoop and Elin take on Leicester. Uh, two big games for the bottom two. And that game will be live on TNT at Twickenham as Chiefs face Quinns. Two Ireland. The All Ireland League, two huge games amongst the top four last weekend. Your Bows took the win at Old Belvedere 2015, while Railway Union, helped by Lindsay P. Hattrick, 63 years of age, 14 different sports she's played for her country, and she's still scoring hat-tricks in Rugby Union. She is a phenomenon. Um, but uh, her Railway Union beat Blackrock College 38-22. Elsewhere, Bell and Colic, uh, lost to Galwegians 14-21. Sartonian saw off Wicklow 45-12, which means you are both to lead the way with their eight from eight perfect records sit on 38 points. Where Union got up to second on 32 points. Albert will Blackrock make up the top four. This weekend, round nine. Cook are off to Galwegians. Railway using Union host Sartonians. Wicklow travel to Limerick and UL Bows. And a game in the round. Albert over there take on Black Rock. College. The Ireland Six Nations home game venues have been announced. Italy will come to Ireland in round two on the 31st of March. That's at the RDS. 
On the 13th of April, it's Ireland v Wales at Musgrave Park. And in the final round, the Scotland match will be in Belfast at the King's Pan. It will indeed. The Celtic Challenge format has been confirmed. The cross-border competition all goes by the RFU, WRU and SRU will run for a second year. It's good, isn't it, getting some youngsters into it? Players back from injury, this kind of stuff. Um, I assume it's going to be run sort of alongside PWR. But anyway, um, it's an 11-week period from the 18th of December through to the 3rd of March next year. Doubling in size from three to six teams, two clubs from each of the unions, from Scotland, Edinburgh, Glasgow, obviously. The Clovers and the Wolfhounds from Ireland. And the Welsh, Brathon, Thunder. And Gawalia Lightning. Now, please don't come at me with my pronunciations. Um, I believe Walia is a, a kind of spirit, a kind of fairy type, uh, mythological kind of um, creature. Certainly looks like that on the on the badge as well. Um, fancy playing for the Clovers? It's not a great name, is it? <laughs> well, it's not awful. What else is there? You see, you, can, you can't criticise Johnny unless you've got something else to replace it. Um, <laughs> bit in the shambles, I suppose, isn't it? But look, this, this Celtic competition—it's just another—it's just another layer, isn't it? In in women's rugby, growing not only just at the top level but underneath as well. It's a, it's a very very useful competition, I suspect. Um, yeah, Ireland, Wales, Scotland—just getting players that are playing at a different level, different environment. No, yeah, definitely. I think it's it's going to be great, especially for you know building building talent um, in Ireland and, and Scotland, and you know bringing that up through through the ranks to get them to get their national teams a lot stronger as well. Um, but only yeah, seeing that come through, I think, can only be a positive thing for them. Obviously, in England, we have the PWR, we have our um, pathway in in um, in place, and see that now coming coming into um, yeah Scotland and, and Ireland will be great to see as well. So if you're if you're a twenty year old player and, and you've been there and you and you're not getting in that fifteen twenty three regularly, what what competitive rugby is there out for you? And yeah, you're not quite you're on the fringes of twenties or something like that. Your national twenties, England twenties. What what competitive rugby is is there out for you? What here? Yeah, Premiership Cup. Yeah, Prem Cup. But then you have Cup. a huge chunk of the season where you're not playing. Yeah, but we they usually have um, those players in the Prem Cup can usually go on loan to um, not, is it that one? Or the other yeah. league underneath the Prem. North and South, yeah. So, yeah. so Keltham Tigers, West Park, Park Leeds, that's those kind of people. Yeah. Okay. Understand. Oh, yeah, you genuinely didn't know. Um, yeah. Let's hear you some international news. Congrats to Australia for opening up the World Rugby 7 Series in Dubai by winning it. 26-19, they built New Zealand. The Levi sisters both scoring tries in the final to claim a record fourth consecutive title in the desert. Ending Blackfern's winning streak of 41 games. Wowzers. 
Uh, France beat Canada to finish third. Ireland with fifth with Great Britain in 11th. Fabulous outing from South Africa as well. Their debut as a core team and on the series, especially running um, Fiji really close early on, finishing 10th despite being ranked 12th. Next week, they'll be on home soil as well in Cape Town. Did you manage to catch any of the seven? See a few tries on the, uh, on the old social media? Uh, we managed to watch a little bit of the the Black Ferns Australia game on the bus back from um from our game. So, yeah, different level those two, aren't they? Honestly, Riverton. I love watching sevens. I but I can never do it myself. I can never do it myself. But I love watching it. I think it's um so entertaining and the amount of skill and fitness and. Yeah, to have is great, and obviously, yeah, the Levi sisters, yeah, they are great, great to watch as well. Um, I mean, it sounds like you're sitting on the fence there in terms of playing sevens or not. Um, why, why, <laughs> why the, would you um, never play sevens? Um, the training, the training. I, I don't like running. I don't like running at the best of times. Let alone running being most of my training. Um, I would just not enjoy it. And obviously, the lifestyle is great, you know, jetting about, going to these nice hot countries. But I think the training would just make me really dislike it. <laughs> and it, and it's it's a, it's it's different. I mean, being done a few of these these big tournaments, the the ebb and flow of the day, and having to get yourself up and down and up and down, it's absolutely exhausting. Um, but great fun all the teams sort of mucking together in the same hotel and all the rest of it. There's a, there's a great camaraderie to, to, to the whole thing. Um, GB down in 11th. And again, we're, we're talking about on paper sides looking good. It, it really is not, it's not a bad squad at all. They should be aiming to, to be higher than 11th, shouldn't they? No, definitely. definitely. I think that was a shock to quite a few people who, who who um, keep up with sevens, um, keep up with GB. Like you said, they've got a talented squad, um, talented players all throughout, and they've been together for quite um, a good amount of time now, that, that core group that they have. So, yeah, to see them come come away with 11th place, I mean, it's definitely what, not what they would have wanted. Um, but, yeah, I think they can definitely be doing a lot better than that. Um, and hopefully, you know, going into next year, going into Paris, that... Um, they um, bring something out the bag. Yeah, let's let's hope so. And good luck to uh, all the teams in Cape Town this weekend. Staying in Africa, Tunisia have beaten Uganda 53-13 to win the series 2-0. Uh, remember, we spoke about this the other week, a new partnership putting this games and series together. Yeah, fair play to Tunisia. In France... Elite one, round two. It's the round behind over in France to uh, the English League here. In pool one, Stade Francais went down 64-5 to Stade Bordelais. Rob went up, Clermont, saw off Lille 46-0. Montpellier picked up the win at Bobogne 44-3. In pool two, Stade Toulousien also won on the road 32-20 at Lyon. Blagnac beat Grenoble 32-6. And Lance went down to Stade Rene 25-20. So this week, Montpellier against Stade Francais. Bobogny off to Lille. The champs there, Baudelaire, host Rogwana. And in Pool 2, 
GCSE French coming through there. Um, Grenoble, Lens and Stade Toulousien host Lyon, Blagnac and Stade René, respectively. Croatia have beaten Bulgaria on the test debut. It was their first ever test for both countries. 37-5 ended in Singe, northeast of Split. Thank you to Scrum Queens for that information. See, teams, again, we're talking about that layering of, of rugby. It's spreading everywhere. Croatia, Bulgaria, their first test matches. It warms the soul on these cold winter days, doesn't it? This this kind of news. <laughs> it does warm the soul. <laughs> no, it's great. It's great to see, obviously, on the back of WXB, we've seen so much more international rugby for that only to be continuing outside of these big tournaments and, you know, having these teams who we haven't seen playing before. Um, like you said, Croatia and Bulgaria getting their first test debut. Um, yeah, it's only great. It's only great for the game. And yeah, it's really positive to see. But because, and it may be one of those reasons, whether you're head of wins rugby at Croatia, Bulgaria, or what have you, but you say, well, look, there's an international tournament now we can get to. And that happens every year. And then every four years, there's a World Cup. And there's da-da-da-da. And we can plan for this, and we can plan for that. Because it's all structured now, and we've spoken about the, the bumps in the road with the WXV, but it started, and there's a plan. And unions can plan these things forward and get funding and lottery and da da and, 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 yeah, however it works in these countries. But yeah, without without the likes of WXV uh, around, you know, Croatia and Bulgaria may we all be sort of several steps behind. So, um, yeah, it's brilliant, uh, brilliant to see. And the Celtic uh, Challenge competition expanding. So is Super Rugby Alpiki. Um, yeah, an enhanced version amongst the changes, an extended competition with home and away fixtures before the final, a longer pre-season training programme and increased player payments. Woohoo! And there are the television broadcaster Sky and Zend. NZ Players Association have worked together to put this together. It all kicks off in March with six weeks of round-robbing games before the top two playoff for the title. Looks like non-sort of NZ contracted players, so they have central contracts um, in New Zealand, as the Red Roses do here in England, um, seeing payments double to at least sort of 17000 a season. Ugh, last. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, yeah, yeah. There's been a sea change in New Zealand, hasn't there? Definitely, definitely. I think since the World Cup, um, yeah, since they won the World Cup, obviously it's been a home World Cup um, and the amount of traction and new fans, new people, you know, joining the game, people wanting to invest in the game, people actually seeing that women's rugby is now on the map in New Zealand when it's been there for a while but I think um that World Cup really put it put it on the map for them um yeah I think there's been a lot of positive positive changes like you said um about time <laughs> I remember Chelsea Alley I believe she's now Chelsea Semple um coming on the show and she's one of the first ones to just say this just can't happen anymore can't be expected to give as, as much in life, emotions, relationships, yeah, social, all the rest of it, to something I'm not earning money from. Um, and, you know, these increased payments can only be a, a good thing. We, No doubt. Somebody somewhere will be saying it, it's not enough and the rest of it. 
But you've got to start somewhere. And um, as you say, uh, I, I totally agree. Since the World Cup, a sea change of women's rugby being accepted in New Zealand. Um, and I would make that a decision. I don't, just don't think it was accepted before um, for whatever reason. But um, well done. We look forward to yeah, watching some of the Super Rugby Alpiki. Um, and I know the Blackfords are keen to um, to do some stuff with, uh, with us here on the WRP. So um, we will no doubt bring you plenty of coverage from down in New Zealand. I'm Gary Street, and you're listening to the Women's Rugby Pod. So round four of the PWR Premiership Women's Rugby here in England, Sadio Kabea. Two o'clock Saturday, Gloucester Hartbury back at home to sail. Bristol are up to your place, Love Lightning. And three o'clock kickoffs in London, Exeter at the Stoop to face Queens. Um, and Ealing take on Leicester. Big, big game, that, isn't it, between the bottom two? Let's go chronologically then. Let's have a look at Gloucester back at home to Sale. That'll be tough. Sale, I suspect, would have wanted to to play that game of the weekend off the off the back of that that good win against Quinns. How do how do you see Gloucester Sale going? Um, I mean, I can see it going one way. I think Gloucester are going to come away with um, the win. Uh, I think that's wouldn't be it wouldn't be a surprise. But I think Sale are not going to put are not going to go down lightly. Like you said, they came off the back of a really good win. Probably going to have some pent up frustration not being able to play against um, Exeter and put out what they were uh, what they've been obviously working hard at um, in that week leading up to the game. So now having two weeks off, two weeks to prepare for Gloucester, I think they're going to come in, you know, all guns blazing. But like we've seen, Gloucester Hartbury are on real fine form at the moment. But I think it'll be a good game. Uh, I think Sale are going to put out some good play, um, some good D as they always do. But I think Gloucester are going to come away with that win. Yeah, they look pretty rusty uh, that first round. It just just wasn't representative of them, Sale, um, to, to Bristol. But where do you have to put, your foot out to trip Gloucester Hartbury up. What what's what's the key area that um the Rachel Terry will be working her troops at this week or as you say they're actually the last couple of weeks. Is it is it as simple as ever gotta front up, gotta get some sort of parity physically, whether that be the breakdown or, or set piece? Yeah, I think the main place we're gonna have to go for is that breakdown. Um I think Gloucester five off quick ball, obviously with the likes of Mohan very nippy around the breakdown. Let's get the ball out quickly, really good eye for space. So I think where Sale probably will be focusing on is that breakdown, being able to slow it down wherever they can, whether that's, you know, fire, whether that's getting in over the ball, Jacqueline, or just being a nuisance around that breakdown. I think that will buy them extra time in D, um, you know, make Gloss play a few extra phrases, make them kick it back to them, allow Sale to play. Um, so I think, yeah, that's where they'll be going after, going after Gloucester. Yeah, and yeah, so just got to get set piece right got to use their ball um when they get it bristol mixed bag thus far in terms of, terms of uh, results um they would have wanted to make a statement against gloucester especially at home last week they will be hurting you'll be buoyed yeah no i think it's going to be a really Really interesting game. Um, 
yeah, Bristol coming off the back of a of a loss. Not not a huge loss, and I think they did put out um, good performances against Gloucester. But um, yeah, I mean, Bristol are a team where you they give you what you expect. You know, that team who likes to run the ball, they like to play it from wherever they can on the pitch. They like to keep the ball um, from the five meter all the way to the opposite try line. Um, so for us coming into the game, and we know one when we get the ball, <laughs> keep it. But two, um, putting them under as much press- pressure as possible. Um, we want them to be able to cough up the ball. We want them not to be comfortable with the ball as well. But yeah, Loughborough were coming off a, a win, um, coming into the game in high spirits, obviously with that win. But knowing we still have a lot more to work on. Um, so I think it'll be it'll be a good game, and I think if if we Loughborough can come, you know, on the, on our top form, um, it'll be a really good game. If not, you know, Bristol are like so they've been, they come off the back of you know some wins, some losses, but when they are good, they're really good. So yeah, it'll just be who turns up in the day. I think. Yeah, they're, they're impressive side when they get in their mojo. Is that um, that the key then? Get the ball from a kickoff and don't relent for 80 minutes no no it's our ball you're not having it exactly because yeah Bristol won't give it the ball easily so try as much as possible to not give it to them patience a key word for the weekend then um Southampton got the uh, the, the week off um Exeter up to the stoop Um, sorry, who are you saying for a winner between Bristol and Loughborough Lightning? Loughborough Lightning, well done. Sorry, yeah, move on. Um, <laughs> Exeter, the Quins, I'm going Bristol. Um, Exeter, Harlequins, or Harlequins, Exeter, I should say. Uh, I think it's going to be a bit of a thumping for Quins, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Yeah, you can see it, can't you? Um, yeah, just um, just doesn't seem to be something right there at the moment. Um, and yeah, we, we spoke about uh, a few injured players, Katie Mew, uh, another one injured. Um, yeah, they can't get back quick enough. Um, but um, that, that'll be sort of early next year. Um, just doesn't seem to be right. I, I think you're, you're right. Uh, and Exeter, again... They would have liked to have seen that uh, that centre partnership. Um, Kobashi now um, got her visa. She was down on the team sheet. Her and Gabby Cantona um, with Tessier inside. Nice midfield. Um, yeah, they want to shake off some some of that rust, having not played last week, because and with the greatest respect, almost see it as a sort of warm up before Gloucester Harvey the the following week. For Exeter, can run back off. Two wins and obviously a week off. I think they'll be round to go. And you know they're they're a top side. They're really well drilled. So you know, like any top side coming into any game, I think they'll be taking it as you know, put as many points as we can out there, put our, our best performance. It might not be the highest of opponents, and they'll be playing the weekend. But I think they're going to come out and try and put as much as they can um, on in that game. So I think it's going to be a high-scoring game, Exeter. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of big ball carries a lot of it through the middle and you know where they can get in it getting it wide but yeah like i said i think it's only going to be going one way and i think it's maybe ever pumping for queens yeah I, they're one of those sides that interests me and i i, I don't have a, a side but 
I know we're going to get with Bristol, and I know we're going to get with with Gloucester Hartbury. You know, they're a couple of years into that the, the, those journeys. You know, Sale have injected a huge amount of quality um, into that side. They fascinate me, and, and Exeter have to sort of reinvent themselves almost. Um, yeah, they're, they're a fascinating side for me. I'm very much looking forward to being down at Sangi Park weekend after next. Um, Ealing hosting Leicester. Woo-hoo. That's a biggie. That is a biggie. Bottom two, bottom two uh, clash. So we it'll be interesting to see who comes out on top for that one, and I think it'll also be interesting to see. Uh, what the teams look like, uh, especially with Ealing, having loads of their sevens girls being away. Um, yeah, how will those two teams, two teams match up? Yeah, Lou Dodd um, added to the Ealing ranks, a footballer, Lou Dodd, former Wasps player. Um, where, where do you see it going then, Sadia? Uh, I think it could go either way. I think it could go either way. Um, I think Ealing I think Ealing are better through their forwards um, I think they from what I've seen of them their forwards like to take control of the game um, they've got quite a big pack quite a strong pack um, and I think that's where they could take it to Leicester um, whereas I think Leicester you know when they do get it out they do have a lot of pace on their wings they've got distributors they've got Megan, that in that sense, partnership, um, being able to you know distribute the ball, run through. So I think it could go either way. Um, whatever, whatever side turns up fully as a pack, uh, as a team. Sorry, one to twenty-three, and um, will be the one that takes it. Yeah, it's it's massive, isn't it? Because you you would have, especially being in the first set of a handful of games, you'd have very much put a circle around that. Um, no, no, they're the two newbies, and it's probably going to take a few weeks to sort of get uh, get things up and running properly uh, at this level. Um, but both without um, without a, a win to the name, it's a big, big game. Uh, so, Fallis Way, if you're in the Ealing area on Sunday, then do get yourself down for that one. We're, we're in this block now, game four. Um, I'm just going to sort of talk about Bristol, actually, but it's six games on the bounce. The league's never done this before. Uh, how much of an effect is that playing within squads in, in terms of selection? Well, we, we'd like to play our first 15 every single week, but probably that's not going to be possible physically, mentally. So how much is that spoken about and, and, and sort of planned for within camps? Well, your camp, because I think- you can't speak for others, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, I think it's definitely um, been spoken about a lot more this season. Um, I know that for sure. Like some some players have, you know, playing plans of you know making sure they'll be fit for certain weekends and not make sh- and making sure players are not getting run down essentially. Um, and obviously having six games on the bounce, um, six weeks of training on the bounce, and some games being you know a five day turnaround. Um, teams are having to you know be more careful and you know. Be a bit smarter about, um, like you said, playing playing players for eighty minutes on the bounce every single week coming. So yeah, I think there's definitely a lot of um, talk around that, and you might see, you know, some internationals be on the bench some weeks, only get sixty minutes or forty minutes some weeks. But I think it's all for the bigger picture to make sure that you know we're players are lasting the whole 
the whole season and also you're getting the best out of players and also it gives other players um, a chance to show what they can do as well. Yeah, indeed so. Um, yeah, interesting times, um, some interesting games there. So we're going Gloucester, you're going Loughborough Lightning. I... <clears throat> Uh, you know, everyone, uh, everyone has their own opinions, Johnny, you know. Yeah, I'm going to stand by them. <laughs> um, rugby will be the winner on that one. Um, X, do we think it'll win? Um, Ealing, Leicester. You're going Ealing, I, I sense. I'm going Ealing, yeah. Okay, just to be controversial, because I quite like doing that, um, I'm going to go for Leicester. <laughs> so yeah just to remind you the live game on TNT is that game at the Twickenham Stoop Chiefs going up against Harlequins Discovery Plus for that one I understand that's about it for another week Sadia Kabea not so far to travel this time although less wasn't a huge distance to, to travel or on the bus. Do you prefer away games or home games? Uh, I don't mind Depends. to be fair. Uh, if, it's not, if it's not sail away, I'll happily do an away or Exeter away. I'll happily do an away game. Um, but obviously our home games are now all at um, Franklin's Garden so still still travelling but gotcha. I enjoy playing there. So It's a good ground. It's a good ground. It's good changing rooms. Yeah. Good changing rooms. Yeah, no... Good, good vibe. Um, um, what else planned for 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 the weekend? You watch a bit of sevens, Cape Town. Potentially, if they got it on the bus, and I'll watch it. <laughs> nice, understood. <laughs> good stuff. Uh, well, look, thank you very much uh, for your time and your views through the PWR. Um, enjoy your weekend. All the very best of luck against Bristol. May rugby be the winner. There is one little <laughs> shout out though. Um, Spain are bidding to host the 2037 World Cup, which, if successful, of course, would follow England 2025, Australia 29, and USA in 33. That's cool, isn't it? Very cool. Very, very cool. I think Spain would. I, I did a couple of sevens tournaments there, and um, yeah, I, I mean, look, I don't think it'd be marketed at all. Um, well, if at all, um, but the, the crowd that was there was, was very, very lively. Some some great stadia, um, and nice weather, good food, not too far uh, away, good time zone. Um, it all looks very, very. But, he, but even it's it's not even that though, Sadio, is it? Because I'm being slightly flippant. But it's the fact that they want to do it, and they're making that public. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, it's great to see that they're, they're even putting putting a bid in to to hold the World Cup. I think that's the main the main thing that's commendable um, is them doing that. And you know, it's it's a couple couple cycles away now, so we're not sure where they could be in terms of women's rugby at that point, but. Yeah, it's great. It's great to see teams like uh, countries like that um, willing to put themselves forward um, to hold such a such a big tournament. And they did. They got yeah, a decent, a decent side. Casalucci, she's at Gloucester. Um, she's a fabulous player. They got full back. 
second row, Puj. They've got some really, really nice players. Um, Spain, and of course, they they were the Italy, weren't they? Um, many years ago. And then women's rugby decided they needed to follow men's rugby and, and have the same six nations. Um, but Spain, yes, vamos. So done there. Um, yeah, vamos. <laughs> In terms of your development, Spain, I'm looking forward to seeing you. Yeah, knocking at the top table. Um, or they're turning the door of the room of the top table. So, dear, thank you so much. Enjoy your weekend. No, thank you for having me, Johnny. Absolute pleasure. Stay safe and be nice.